Welcome back to episode 163 of the Blockrunner podcast. Here is where we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel to follow along with our discussion. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Iman, and today we interview Dirk and Bob from Xpector. Here are some of the topics we discussed today. First up, we get some insight as to what is Xpector. Next, we ask Dirk and Bob how they got into Bitmap. Then, what will Xpector do to improve the metaverse? And finally, the team gives their honest take on Apple's Vision Pro and how this impacts the metaverse. All right, let's listen in. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 163 of the Blockrunner podcast. I'm your host, William, always here with your co-host, Iman. What's going on, dude? On the sticks, we got TJ. Hello. And of course, we got our special guest today. We got Dirk and we got Bob Way from Xpector. Thank you guys for showing up today. Thank you for having us. Uh, I'm really happy that we are on your show as well. Yes, man. So, Bob, I appreciate you. I see you're riding a bicycle over there. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I didn't get the notice of when this was going to be, so I set out on my ride, and as always, you find out something when you're at the apex, you're as far away from home as possible. So yeah, that's right. I will I will be listening and riding, and you'll see some dramatic acting when I run into a tree. <laughs> you know, they're everywhere. All right, man, just be safe, and uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll keep, you, uh, keep you posted on like what's going on over here and everything. That way you don't have to look at the phone. Yeah, just definitely keep your focus on the, on the, uh, the physical surroundings, yeah. <laughs> even though you'll be communicating to us through this yeah. <laughs> primitive metaverse layer we call Zoom, Yeah, right? This is the prototype. So Exactly. Yeah, let's, so this, the nature is going to be the focus of our, this discussion, right? Because we are both very much focused on this, yes. this, this concept of the metaverse, right? And I think what's bringing us together now is this, this concept of the metaverse is now becoming ingrained in, of what, you know, the Bitcoin ordinals ecosystem, right? This mm -hmm. is the first time, and we've been covering the bitmap space for the last three weeks or so, two, yeah. three weeks. So this is now we've entered this new, this new era we've been talking about, right? Post blockout, everybody's, you know, claimed their inscriptions, their bitmap. That's right. So now what? Now we're in like a builder phase, right? Who's going to contribute to the, the infrastructure? So yeah, we're really excited to be talking to you guys, people who are actively building and who bringing, have been building. Yeah. Yeah. Who have been building and they see the value in bitmap and uh, yeah, contributing to this infrastructure, right? So yeah, let's kick it off with, uh, we'll talk about backgrounds in a little bit, but I wanna get uh, a feel for you guys on how you discovered Bitmap, like what brought you to the ecosystem and, and you know, just tell me like, you know, what you first thought about Bitmap when you dis discovered it. Well, actually it's very recent. Huh? We all know that uh, it's yeah. uh, something that's a phenomenon that just started out a couple of uh, <coughs> weeks ago, sorry. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, I think that uh, our attention got uh, drawn to it by um, by uh, Patches, a good friend of ours that has been building on HBAR. We have been building on the XRPL. And, uh, well, those two communities are closely related, so we have been in touch for quite a while, and we did the spaces together. And afterwards, we had some uh, after-talk, uh, and we were like, well, it's been really, really great on the XRPL. However, I think we've reached our limits. Um, there is a limited volume, there is a limited community, and we've always said that we would uh, integrate multiple chains. So at this stage, you cannot only connect some wallet, which is the major wallet uh, on the XRPL, also a hashback wallet uh, on HBAR. Um, and in the next few days, weeks, uh, MetaMask as well, um, to integrate 
HTC Flare, uh, all those communities are really closely related to each other. So it's just a natural evolution. Uh, all those people are friendly and they know each other. Most hold uh, tokens uh, from our currency, from uh, all these um, chains. But then we saw that, well, what we are building is actually quite an enterprise. And everybody speaks about onboarding Web2 people and mass adoption. Well, mm -hmm. I... And I believe in multi-chain or chain agnosticism. I think that a metaverse is a metaverse mm -hmm. and it can exist without crypto or blockchain. I think that blockchain and crypto have lots of advantages that can be used in those environments. Um, but then, well, if you want to onboard all the Web2 people, why shouldn't we start with onboarding other crypto people mm -hmm. that are actually interested? So we were looking at different chains. We have done uh, several grant applications to integrate chains uh, onto our platform, the e-commerce platform that powers all the transactions in the metaverse. And uh, we have had some uh, good uh, good connections, you know, on multiple chains. However, who are the big players? Well, ETH, Solana, mostly ETH. And coming from the XRPL, well, ETH and XRP Army aren't necessarily best friends. Um, we've all been maxis, you, you yeah. probably as well, in yeah. the days. We all change our minds uh, from time to time. However, the Genesis chain is, of course, Bitcoin. And, yeah. and the patches pointed out to what was happening with ordinals. I have made some tweets about ordinals that weren't that nice in the past, by the <laughs> way, because I didn't know it. I just thought it was like some new hype thing but mm. apparently there's something going on yeah um so Pat just told me about bitmap and specifically the interest in metaverse at this stage so for us well okay well let's take a deep dive and we were able to buy a, a bunch of uh, bitmaps uh i think just one day before blockout um so we were lucky i think we have like somewhere around 3552 or something yeah. um that's crazy <laughs> that, well we got them because we knew it was like coming to uh to an end yeah and the next phase of course is yeah well now we have them what are we going to do with them and uh, what do we know about bitmaps and ordinals and stuff uh, luckily we have a big uh, development team or cto neil he uh took a deep dive and he actually was intrigued intrigued like developers are intrigued you know they yeah. want to find that stuff and whatever and i think that well my main goal as 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 founder I'm not a developer at all, you know. I mm, come from mm. a legal background. I went to law school. I had my own property development company uh, in several countries in Europe, quite successful. I came into crypto a couple of years ago, only so quite recently, uh, firstly as an investor, then I got interested in NFTs. Um, and for some reason, I got involved in a project on the XRPL. And I was lots enough time in Discord. The community got to know me. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a natural evolution to start something on the XRPL. Um, however, with with uh, Bitcoin, of course, I've been always a holder of, of mm -hmm. Bitcoin. And, yeah. and we started doing a, a deep dive. And I was like so interested with the people that I've met only in a couple of days. Everybody was very welcoming, something that doesn't happen on every chain um and there were like a lot of cool guys as well really interesting people that have a long track record about building and and stuff so that was the most exciting part uh, for me um and well we 
we are now looking into what we will do with the ordinals, of course, because uh, or with the bitmaps, it's easy to purchase them, yeah. but uh, to really come up with a concept. Yeah. Um, but I think we've got something going on. So thanks mm -hmm. to Patches, uh, we took the decision to come over. And um, well, Bob is uh, is our uh, chief uh, product officer, uh, by the way, um, and uh, he's uh, he's close to you guys in Houston. Um, he's been a software engineer for probably more than forty years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I won't tell his age, but uh, yeah, he, he like started that. out. Yeah, he started out at the at NASA, um, and uh, he's been working with three D models and virtual environments since the eighties. Mm, um, wow. So actually, we wanted to onboard him as a blockchain expert, because after NASA, he went uh, to work for Ripple. Mm. He was a 10th employee at Ripple. Um, and, uh, and um, well, afterwards, he retired, actually. So we got him back from <laughs> retirement. <laughs> and uh, during our conversations, it was, uh, it was very, like, soon I realized that Bob wasn't specifically interested in the blockchain stuff anymore, but more in the metaverse side. Uh, luckily, because our CTO, he handles, uh, he handles the blockchain related stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we start discussing how are we going to do it? What? And Bob came up with some pretty cool ideas, you know, because I also thought, well, let's build a really cool virtual world. But as you guys know, it's not that easy. It takes time. Unreal Engine 5, definitely, I think for onboarding lots of people, the realism is important. Yeah. I know that for gamers, probably it isn't, but to onboard masses, I guess that helps. Uh, it brings a, quite a bit of challenges uh, as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, And then we started talking and Bob convinced me uh, a couple of months ago that, uh, that building it like... Uh, well, a version of the central end, but uh, with Unreal Engine 5, that it wouldn't sure. be a good metaverse. There is, by the way, a YouTube uh, uh, movie or, or clip. It takes two yeah. hours and yep. it's called yeah. the <clears throat> future of the metaverse is a dead mall or something. Yeah. Yes. Quite interesting. And we took a dive uh, in it um, and we really paid attention and we really need started to point out that the things we do, do not have to do or absolutely have to avoid. Sure. And Bob came up with the idea of of building it as a fully distributed thing, uh, architecture, um, people that can run it on their own servers, um, rendering yeah, on their own. Little... Uh, the... Oh, sorry, Dirk. Yeah, I was going to say, no, Bob, when, we say, when we say fully distributed, that's such terms used in blockchain everywhere. Mm -hmm. So um, we attacked, we looked at the metaverse and said, you know, really, if you look at all of the applications that have been built in since 1990, uh, 1990, say, the ones that are still around are few, right? Yeah. Because the internet um, changes dramatically. But what's the same since uh, 1993? The World Wide Web, it's eternal. Mm, so we right. thought if we're going to do, if the metaverse is going to be the next generation of the World Wide Web, we really should build it as if it's the next generation of the World Wide Web. Mm. So it's completely distributed in the World Wide Web sense where anybody can run a server and there's a browser and the browser can travel to any of the sites. Mm. And the server sites are virtual 3D environments where people gather to have do activities or 
to hang out or socialize, educate, buy things, whatever they want to do. And, sure. you know, just like in the real world, you hang out in a space. Um, and that can be run and hosted by anyone. So we started with this new, this idea of a fully distributed metaverse that's actually separate from the blockchain. It's not built on top of the blockchain. It's associated with the blockchains where the blockchains handle identity. Who are you? Who do you how do you want to be perceived? And you do this, you can do that through addresses on any chain. Um, what do you own in terms of NFTs? Mm -hmm. Those are the, the digital goods you can carry around in the metaverse. And what money do you have mm -hmm. that you can use to pay somebody else in exchange for their digital goods and services? So those concepts are kind of universal across blockchains. Turns out the XRP ledger is super easy to build on for all of those um, concepts. And it's very cheap. And Dirk had already started on the XRPL. And everyone knows since I was early Ripple, I'm an XRPL fanboy. Mm -hmm. So I'm also since 2010 in Bitcoin. Mm. So I go wow. back to the very beginning with that as well. Um, so I think they all fit together. What interested me about ordinals isn't the, the ordinals. And it's not really even the bitmaps. Um, it's an interesting philosophical concept to talk about. But really, the value is in the people, right? Mm. There's a lot of people on the space that are talking about how do we use this to build a metaverse? What if we think of these things kind of like land or ownership or property? Then we can do mathematical translations of this to see what mm. this means in a metaverse. Mm -hmm. Those are all very interesting concepts. But the most interesting thing to me is that they're people and people are are valuable. If you want to change the world, you have to start with the people and not That's with right. the things. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, a lot of the stuff that you guys are talking about, it's it's kind of reminiscent of like Iman and I's conversations for the last four years about the metaverse. And um, and what interested what, what interested us the most about Bitmap is is like you're saying, it's like the idea of digital real estate, but on top of Bitcoin, and the the way that it's it's outlined that each block it's its own district and the transactions are the parcels that make up the district. It's the first time that a metaverse is non-arbitrary. And so I don't know how much you guys know about the podcast, but, um, and it's relation to like the whole bitmap thing, but, but Blockamoto reached out to us on Twitter, uh, you know, about three weeks ago. And he was like, Hey, you guys talk about ordinals. You talk about the metaverse and you talk about web three it's like bitmap is like at the center of all these things. Mm -hmm. And at the time it had like about 120 inscriptions, right? Mm -hmm. So this is like super early and we instantly saw value in bitmap. And so we did our video and it had roughly 300 inscriptions and then it just exploded, right? 17 days later it was blockout, mm -hmm. right? Sent mm -hmm. from our video. And one of the things that uh, we've learned over the four years of building in the metaverse is there has to be some element of sustainability. Right. There has to be some degree of activity and commerce that needs to be happening on top of the metaverse in order to sustain anybody's contribution to it. And so the idea of like building out the metaverse is is one of those like very complex things to explain to somebody. But it's also one of the more like things that have the most complexity, like just to build on top of because like you're saying, Bob, like the internet has changed from the 1990s 
right? The same things that were that existed in the 1990s do not exist today, right? And so you need to be able to create content that is malleable that can transition from you know, a 1990s version of the metaverse to the 2023 version of the mm -hmm. metaverse, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so I like what you guys are building. I like the idea that uh, essentially it's running on, on these like distributed network and allow people to kind of de deploy their own virtual existence and have a have like a deeper participation. So I want to get more like an idea from you guys. It's like you have 3,500 bitmaps. Well, what's your, what's the game plan here? Like, what is it? What, what's the offering? Like, what are you guys planning on doing? I just want to get more details around all that. So I'll let Dirk give you the details on that, but I wanted to just jump in and say the, the mechanism we're using to build this metaverse is following sort of what Tim Berners-Lee did. He said, okay, here's a standard, here's a set of tools you can use to build websites. Yeah. But Tim Berners-Lee isn't famous for building websites, right? Mm -hmm. You don't look at him and you go, my God, what a great graphic designer. Um, right. He got this thing going. So when I looked at, if you look, if you go back in history, because I'm old, right? And I was there at the beginning, <laughs> you see it all firsthand. You realize what made it popular was what everybody else did with the tools that yeah. Tim Berners-Lee um, handed out. And so as we're building this, we have this tool that we want to put in the hands of people that think um, uh, bitmaps are awesome and they think bitmaps should be a metaverse. And those people are already gathered together in communities. Mm -hmm. So we want to build a place for them to uh, render their ideas of mm -hmm. what a metaverse would be based on their own personality. Yep. Is it a business? Is it a gathering hall? Is it... Um, you know, is it a derivative? Is it procedurally generated from these blocks that you own? Is it customized based on blocks? Who who gets to be in and own land and who doesn't? Yeah, Those are all questions we want to let the community decide. We just want them to attract, attract them to our tool set here right. um, so that we can learn from them, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, owning these particular uh, bitmaps uh, will be mapped to land and Dirk can right. talk about how we're doing that. Well, yeah, well, we uh, have the eight team, uh, the eight team, uh, uh, always, um, we have 8,888 NFTs, 88,888,888 uh, yeah. of our expector native coins. Um, so we try to recycle it. And 3,552 is actually four times 888. Um, mm, so nice. we um, are still thinking about a perfect concept. What um, our Unreal developers are creating an island that uh, suddenly appears out of the sea in our Expectorverse. And that uh, island, which we will call Bitmap Island, by the way, we did a poll on Twitter and uh, the community decided um, they uh, that island will contain 3,552 parcels of land, each consisting out of one up to eight different plots of land um if we um would start something regarding sales we, we won't do it immediately we have some things going on we really want to show people what we have sure um but since we're building almost uh, a year we have uh, 
quite a few things. So the island, the visualization is ready. We have the concept. It will be a fully fair mint. Um, so everybody pays exactly the same price. Uh, if you're lucky, you get eight plots. If you're less lucky you get four two or one mm -hmm. but uh, everybody has a fair shot and that will be connected to the size of the plot and the location on the island um, and people will be able to use our tools to start building so the uh the plots that you're talking about you're talking about the individual transactions within the the bitcoins block is that correct well we are still working on it. We have been uh, in uh, in a couple of calls with Satributes as well. Really interesting guy. Uh, I hope to speak with Chris. I uh, got a hold of him on Discord. Um, and we have Patches uh, as an advisor. So we think that initially we um, will be able to connect the bitmap that we own. And we will each bitmap will represent a specific parcel on a uh, bitmap island in the expectorverse mm. what people do with it afterwards well it's completely up to them we it will be run on a separate server as well and since it's an island it can't become bigger it's a separate entity within our world sure. and we are building something similar ourselves as a test environment mm -hmm. but there will be multiple cities or villages or whatever districts within our land and i think that um it's interesting to have um, multiple chains multiple communities sure. within their own environment and and see them built and stimulate them and we will have the expector one as well and it's it's good we because it's a way to unite crypto people yes. from all kinds of states and the fun aspect is it's not a game it's like the 3d internet the social <laughs> and immersive internet uh, as we uh, say but it will be cool not only to unite but also see if there are collaborations between people from different chains or competition and competition you know that leads to more innovation so that's like the gamified aspect it is the internet in 3d um but we would really like to see who is the community that performs the best and that amazes us and we will compete as well with a big very good uh, team yeah but we hope that we can find builders that exceed what we can do you know mm, yes and that would make it interesting could you uh elaborate a little bit as far as like the i guess the stack of what it is you guys are built uh, assembling and going to provide to the the ecosystem who who's going to have the ownership of these 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 virtual environments these islands you're speaking oh. about is it a builder type of tool or is it some kind of sdk framework that developers are more going to leverage to create this content well there are so two things building by the way so yeah. there's what bob's building which is the metaverse related stuff and then our cto neil he's building uh the transaction platform the e-commerce platform where multiple wallets can be connected where multiple chains are integrated um mm -hmm. in uh in i as we integrate more chains where nfts can be minted on mm. multiple chains as well mm -hmm. and the unique feature of that is that um we believe that porting of nfts uh is uh uh, something that is needed that if you are on bitmap island and you have digital assets or goods that you own and somebody from the xrpl community wants to buy it or wherever mm -hmm. and they want that asset but they prefer to prefer to have it on another chain well it's like it's not really an atomic swap but it's a, it's a, a mechanism where you can 
burn and reissue. The only condition is that the issuer has to agree and have wallets on both chains. Mm -hmm. um, but that's something that we really think is interesting because we think that the digital asset is belongs to the owner. And the only mm -hmm. thing that counts is the trust between the owner and the issuer, no matter on what chain it is. And I think that will open the floodgates because mm -hmm. it all kinds of stuff will be able to travel and that's real interoperability mm -hmm. and then we have bob of course with uh, the metaverse uh, platform so yeah so the metaverse is really two uh components um we call it uh right now we haven't branded it yet but the 3d server and the 3d browser and you can think about this in historical terms is the 3d server is equivalent to apache in the early days of the web Okay. And the 3D browser is equivalent to Mosaic, right, before um, Netscape and the other uh, browsers came in. They're both open source bits of software. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that makes them the Expectorverse instead of just the generic metaverse anybody can build is that we are connecting them to the, the platform that uh, Dirk talked about, that Neil talked about. So we have a unified... Um, identity and ownership management platform. So we don't actually care where your identity is. Um, you know, if you're a Bitcoiner and you want to use your uh, Bitcoin address as your identity, that's awesome. Yeah. You want to use, uh, you know, um, NFTs on Bitcoin as, uh, as your ownership. That's great. If you're an Ethereum person, you can use a, your, your Ethereum address and NFTs over there. Um, that's all fine with us and it all renders into the metaverse as just things that you own that's right that are 3d objects that other people can see mm -hmm. and so so the both of those components connect to the platform for that sort of canonical reference and so for example say you you're a person you well look at you guys you are people now that i'm not writing <laughs> yeah. i can see you <laughs> that um, you will be represented by an avatar within mm -hmm. the, the metaverse. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind that because all of these servers can be run by many different people and you're jumping from place to place, your avatar has to follow with you. So when you connect to it, you have to essentially upload your avatar to the server so it can broadcast it to everybody else so they can see you as you want to be seen. That's right. And so we use the blockchain for that, for tracking your identity. You want to have the same identity from place to place. You, If you are with five of your friends and you go through a doorway which jumps you from one server to the other, you all want to arrive on the same server at the same time because mm -hmm. you're essentially a group wandering around. And even if you're in a room, you know, a room or a space, an outdoor space with 100 other people, you're there with your five friends you're still a group of the five of you among all of these other people. You're not individuals, so you can do things together. So we're really, I'm exploring this because I want to see what people do in the space. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I think has, um, that really got me interested, I can't say I was an early metaverse advocate saying, oh, I, we've got to do the metaverse because I just, I want to live in the metaverse. Yeah. Um, I realized that with, if you think of this metaverse as the three version of the internet or the next generation of the internet, I want to make it better than the previous generation of the mm -hmm. internet. And oddly enough, the better isn't the 3D-ness yeah. of the internet. Mm -hmm. um, 
if you look at the fundamental flaw of the original internet, um, you know, there's two things you can talk about, but I think one is the key flaw that led to everything that people don't like about the web today. And that was, um, there was no money, Mm -hmm. right? And so if you look at HTTP, there's a 402 error, which Mm -hmm. nobody really knows what 402 is. Everybody knows 404. 402 is payment required. Hmm. So they defined that as an error, but they didn't actually define a way to make a payment. Right. So because there was no way to pay anybody, suddenly ad-supported web became the norm. Why? Because there was no way to pay anybody. Then user tracking became the norm. Why? Because the ad-supported web wasn't really very good at advertising. It didn't sell product. And so they need to keep improving that. And so now we need to track everybody. So with with the metaverse, this Web3 version of the metaverse, what I'm trying to do is give people money as a foundational principle. You own money. You want to buy something from another human who has something you want to sell. If you like them and you want to do the deal, you do a peer-to-peer deal where they get money. That's that's the meat and potatoes of cryptocurrency, right? That's mm-hmm. why it was invented for peer-to-peer transactions. Yeah. Um, and in the metaverse, the goods that you can buy with cryptocurrency move at the speed of money, right? It transfers there. You do an atomic swap, you know, that for money in exchange for a digital good, for a ray gun, for a hoverboard, whatever. It's done, and you guys have done a business deal, and you can part your ways, and and off you go in the metaverse. And I think that gives people the ability to create new things, creates a whole new economy, and it uses cryptocurrency on whatever chain you want to use it as as it was originally envisioned. Can you give us uh, an idea of like how developers contribute to the X Spectre kind of like universe? Like how do we how do we get our hands on this so, and contribute? So. So what we are actively doing now, and it's close to done, and you know how software is always close to done right. for the last 10%, it <laughs> yep. always takes 90% of the time. That's right. Um, but uh, you know we're on it, demoing it, running through it today. Um, it turns out the hardest part with uh, Unreal Engine is it wasn't really designed to be used the way we're using it, where you just download things as you go in in play essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so uh, our development team has been working very hard to create this downloadable model where everything runs. Mm-hmm. But what we're gonna be producing is what we call the development kit. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially, you can download it as open source software. You run it on your machine. It will come with some default models. What we'll ship um, uh, initially will likely be a facade of a building on some size plot of land. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of a disembodied plot of land that you have it, but you can make it the size of any plots of land you want in a different space for development purposes. And it will have your building facade on it. You can customize that using Unreal Engine tools, or we're giving some component building parts, more like Legos that you can snap together. Oh, interesting. But, but rather than building this as... Um, uh, Minecraft or some of these other tools where it's built in and I give you three primitives and you mm-hmm. snap them together and let's see how creative you are with yeah. these yeah. little blocks. Right. We're saying, you know, our early adopters, we want them to be the people who think the metaverse is awesome. The people who think 3d games are awesome. The people who want to be in the movie studios and the people who want to use the real professional tools. 
So right now you can use Blender, you can use Maya, you can use any of the professional tools. The models are the professional level quality that you put into Unreal Engine. Mm -hmm. And so at the beginning, we're not doing a lot of handholding to say anybody who's never, you know, thought about 3D environments can just download this and start snapping bricks in. Right. We're like that that will come. Yeah. We want to say if you are really into this, this is your showcase environment. Yes. Make something really cool and show it to people, show people what they can do. And then we'll work out the documentation on how people learn to do this. And then we'll work downward in the tool scale. So regular people yeah. could be able to do something. So it will be the dev kit. And I'm looking, you know, I say a month out, let's call it two months out before you'd be able to get your hands on it. We okay. want to put real people in that are, you know, friends of the show, as they, they say on YouTube, you know, get people walking around in space early before that, but friends of the project. The, uh, um, the analogy and, that I'd like to kind of explain what you're saying is it's sort of like in the early days of the internet, you have to be a developer in order to build a website, right? HTML, right? And then yeah. 20 years later, all of a sudden there's like these uh, no code builder websites where you can build your website. So so we're not there yet for the metaverse. We're in the developer mode where we got to figure out through developers what exactly is going to stick in the metaverse. Yeah, like what are these primitives, right? Right. That can be like uh, abstracted out to like a much more, yeah. I guess, user-friendly yeah, you know, user. Any, any other approach, according to us, won't be successful. Agreed. Because there are lots of people that can do this and they are probably way better at doing this than than we are yeah so providing the foundation the base layer of it yes and starting with the geeks and the nerds and, and yes, the guys right. living in their mother's basements but yeah. above always that those are the ones yeah. that will come up with cooler stuff than all of us together yeah. can come up and those are the people we initially have to attract and yeah. they will build mini games or whatever they will come up with super cool structures and that's how we see the step-by-step -step approach of evolu evolution towards a successful uh, product. Yeah, and other people that we like to attract are uh, people like you guys, who are, are people who are out there in the world to attract your own audience here. Mm -hmm. And you, YouTube or podcasts are a platform that help you attract an audience and you produce something here. But some, you know, to varying degrees of success, they're not the greatest for interacting with your community, right? right? It would be great if you produced your show, people watched it in the metaverse, and then you walked out from backstage. Yeah. Um, and then you got to hang with the people in the community, right? You right. said, yep. oh, and after this, we're going to go see this band play over here, mm -hmm. and we're going to hang out for two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what makes the metaverse different from the web now. After we get off this this uh, lovely Zoom call, and you have a great set. Once we're off, I'm still not in your set, and we can't go out and have a beer, which is really disappointing. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we totally aligned here because when we were building our platform, we we have like the same thoughts as you guys did. Is we we need to enable an application layer on top of the operating system of the metaverse. And that operating system can consist of different types of stacks, right? You you guys are using Unreal. Others are using Unity, right? 3JS and Babylon JS. So there's all these like types of stacks. And uh, but ultimately we know that there's a lot of institutions that are predicting a multi-trillion dollar metaverse opportunity. 
And mm-hmm. Ivan and I were looking around. I was like, well, how the hell is that going to happen? Mm-hmm. And so, and so we always look back to the internet and the internet is a multi-trillion dollar industry right now. And that's our counterpart to the metaverse. And so how did the internet become into this multi-trillion dollar thing? Mm -hmm. And it came through the application of the functions of what you can do on a website. Mm -hmm. And so of course, developers, when you go to YouTube and you go to Twitter, it's just a website, but it does specific things, right? You get value Mm -hmm. out of it, right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to provide the same frameworks of why being in the metaverse is going to extract, you know, you're going to get value out of being in the metaverse. And it's things like what Bob Way is saying. I'm going to give you one other thing to ponder about the web. So, you know, I told you the fundamental flaw in the web was um, money. It just didn't have any. And that led to consequences, right? The world always has consequences. Um, The other design decision in the web was it was a single user experience. Mm -hmm. That's right. We talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you go to a site, even you go to Google, there's nobody there. That's yeah. right. You, yeah. you, you know intuitively there's millions of people searching for stuff at the yeah. same instant, but you don't see them. Yeah. And so because of that single user experience, we had the rise of platforms. Yeah. Right? If you think about it, every place you go to interact dynamically with people in real time is a platform. And sometimes they're beneficial platforms and sometimes we hate the platforms and sometimes they change hands and people get all uppity uh, about the platforms. But that's, you know, fundamentally, if the the Internet, the web itself had been built for multiplayer, would we have had the rise of platforms or or would we have had people interacting in different ways? And so that's what I've been thinking about the metaverse. The metaverse is baked in money, baked in multi-user everywhere Mm, and then the 3d environment is a shiny new feature Mm. to see what creative people can do with this right man bob Um, i I wish we had met four years ago because (laughs) ivan and i had been talking about exactly what you're talking about for the past four years right and many times ivan and i were looking at each other was like dude are we crazy should we be even spending any time in the metaverse and and of course this is a during a period where nobody was talking it's about pre the Facebook pivot, basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so we felt like the crazy ones in the room. And yeah. uh, I mean, you know, obviously the metaverse still hasn't come to fruition yet, but there is, there is a lot of counterparts to the metaverse, right? It's the internet. Right. And like Bob is saying, it's the internet, but in, in multiplayer fashion and in yeah. 3d. Yeah. I think that what yeah. you've done so far by identifying these, these core, I guess, flaws of the of the web and like you know correlating this opportunity of of this metaverse space is some way to kind of like correct those mistakes yeah and yeah like like you're saying provide a better web you know virtual experience for all of humanity that is the opportunity of the metaverse right it's an odd little reboot right yeah yeah um and and so again if you look at the value of the web really you'll realize the value of the web is is people. It's mm-hmm. the people on the web. They're the, the source of everybody's revenue. They're the source of all the content. Yeah. And when we look at the metaverse, the value of the metaverse is going to be the people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. giving people a better way to interact with one another is the legacy I hope the metaverse has. We'll, we'll go in and we'll be more civil with people. Mm-hmm. Or we'll have two tools to remove the uncivil people yeah. from our space. We just go like, you know, my world's better without you in it. 
I'm blocking <laughs> you and poof, you disappear. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, what, one thing I want to, I want to talk about is Apple, right? They came out with the vision pro pretty awesome. But I think what they've done is the same thing that Steve Jobs did when inventing the mouse and what he did with multi-touch is he created, well, Apple created a new interface that I think enables something that you couldn't otherwise do in, in the metaverse and in like a 3D environment, right? And it's like this, the eye tracking and the ability to be able to interact with things with just a pinch. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's going to play a critical role in the concept of the metaverse because now uh, maybe in the future, just like we never really would have predicted they would be carrying around these like supercomputers in our pockets, mm -hmm. right? Our laptops are, you know, they're not a big deal in terms of weight and carrying around. In the future, we're going to be carrying around these glasses, right? They're not as going to be as big as the Vision Pro, but we're going to be interacting with a 3D version of the internet in real time all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I want to get your thoughts on all of that and like the vision pro and like, you know, how that relates to the metaverse. Well, I love it. It's, it's interesting. So I first put on my first VR headset in um, probably 88 or 89 when I was at NASA. Wow. Literally that's the, crazy. <laughs> yeah. What was that like? There. What did it look like? So it was, um, there was a, a couple of teams over there at NASA. I met my wife, um, you know, around, she worked at NASA too in the, the graphics department. So my wife did all the 3d videos that you saw on TV when you were growing up about, mm. you know, things orbiting, what the missions were doing. And they did that literally from the actual design drawings for the hardware. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like remodeling. It was let's, let's take the actual uh, CAD models yeah. and turn them into uh, rendering. Again, it's much primitive uh, stuff there. But from within those teams, uh, two teams arose. One was working on telepresence, which is what if we put sort of a robot thing with cameras on it somewhere you aren't and give you a head-mounted uh, head display where you can look through those eyes there. So what did it look like? If you remember the old camcorders uh, that were not so small in the yep. early days, um, now, cut the viewfinders off of them, okay. which they literally did, and tear off the plastic and go in there and take the little mini CRT screens out of those camcorders. CRT screens, yeah, right? Yeah. Little ones. <laughs> now, take those and put, you know, build a little bit of hardware to hold them mm -hmm. and mount them to uh, a motorcycle helmet um, mm. <laughs> with opticals in front of your, right. your head. Wow. And and then there were a couple of uh, VR companies working at the time that had some 3D trackers that it would mount on top of the motorcycle helmet. You put these little sensors around the room that would try to track the direction you're looking at. But it was super low res, but it it worked. It was yeah. it was cool. You could see what you could see that this could work. Mm. And then later on, they used virtual reality and astronaut training. They mm -hmm. got better better gear. You know, built better hardware and uh, built whole rooms for training people. They had a thing called a cave. I don't know if anybody's ever seen a VR cave. Cave is an acronym for something. Mm -hmm. But it's basically a room where you project, like projection TVs on all the walls and the ceiling. Sure. And then it, it head tracks you and projects everything. So you don't, you, you see it as a distance, at the distance without having to wear a head-mounted display. Mm -hmm. So they built those. Um, they even built the most fascinating robot called Charlotte, 
which was literally a box um, with cables coming out the side. And they attached the cables into the, the uh, upper and lower corners of the room. And so this box had motors in it, stepper motors, that it could move itself, kind of like those things that fly over the Super Bowl and the big football games now with the cameras. Mm-hmm. It worked like that in three space, but it would move to where you wanted an object to be. So where you reached out with your hand, there was a physical wow. handle there and you grab it and you could move that with force feedback. So all of this was like in the nineties. Um, and, but you know, it was, it was like way, way too early then yeah. for yeah. the technology. And I think with Apple now, they've done an amazing job building hardware and even, um, uh, Facebook with their meta stuff is building some amazing hardware. I put it on there. But I'm still calling them too early on this. Mm. I don't think everybody is willing to buy, you know, run out, especially with Apple's $3,500, buy sure. this on to see if they like it. Yeah. They're not really running out by the Quest at $500 just, just because they have to have one, all their friends do. Mm. But what I think will happen, the progression will be, so with Expectorverse, we're going with sort of a game uh, 3D game-like experience first. Mm-hmm. You will be running it on your regular computer with your regular graphics cards. So it can be open and easier to access for most people. But then there's going to be an audience of people like you guys that I'm talking to who are beyond just metaverse tourists, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to want to put on a show. And in putting on your show, if you want your avatar to be more expressive, Maybe you want motion capture, so you buy some extra hardware. But the people looking at you don't have to buy the motion capture suit to see you in the motion capture, right? You might have a 3D headset to do something else. You might add those experiences in here because it helps you perform or convey. Mm -hmm. But the people in your audience won't necessarily have the fully immersive experience. Mm -hmm. But then they'll come along as they see you guys enjoying it and the power to do that go like well maybe i could do just like everybody when i could do my own youtube show i need <laughs> yeah, to yeah. do this right uh, yeah. i could do my own metaverse thing i want to be pootie pie or whatever <laughs> yeah. right? I wanna be the, that's right you know what yeah. was he famous for well being first yeah right? that's right yeah i totally agree um, it's it's one of those things where um I, I think the bigger thing about what apple has done is is, is enabled a new interface that has not been enabled before. And and I think with that, we're going to see things that we can't really predict. In the same way that we're, we're looking at the, the early 90s internet, we can't predict YouTube and Twitter and things like that, right? And so with this yeah. new interface, I think with developer access to it, we're going to see some cool stuff. But, but I totally agree. I, like in the metaverse, like right now, it still has to be sort of like this 3D environment that we're inter- interfacing with our current technology, and then it'll progress from there. And I think what if, Apple yeah. did, you were spot on though. What Apple does is not give you things like according to, you know, all the way back to Steve Jobs. He gave you the mouse. That's right. And he took away the arrow keys. Yes. Because he said, like, if you if I give you the mouse and the arrow keys, you guys were just going to use these arrow keys. So screw you. Yeah. <laughs> so Apple gave you the visor, and they took away those little hand grips That's right. that the Quest has. Yeah. That's right. And they're like, nope, we don't want those. You're going to use your fingers. You're going to pinch. You guys are going to have to figure out how to not use those things. Yeah, and he did and that we'll- with the iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. He he took away the pin, right? Everybody was using a pin for interacting with their smartphones back in the in those days. And, mm-hmm. and he took away the keyboard. And the keyboard. Like, yeah. That's right. You're like, oh my God. So 
So, yeah. So I think the vision of the Apple's uh, product is amazing is that they went ahead and did that. They said, okay, it's VR and it's AR and we do these sensors around so you don't have to carry anything else because in the future, I, you see the future through that, right? Yeah. The future isn't really, everybody's going to be wearing these totally clogged, closed in AR goggles. Like they're not going to be wearing this, that implementation in mm. five years, yeah. but they might have some sort of smaller, lighter head mounted display that Agreed. follows those same kind of principles. Yeah. And when they're wearing that smaller, lighter thing, they're not going to be wanting to walk around through the middle of city from their office to lunch with these hand controllers. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. absurd. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, so Dirk, what's, what's next for Expector? What, what are the, like the, I guess, next steps for you guys in terms of like, what's you're going to be building with bitmap? Is it, is it something that we can interact with like in the near term or is it still, you know, a little ways off? Well, there are some things that we have already uh, online. So one of the things that we definitely want to make sure that you guys can do is uh, connect uh, the wallet you use to the platform. Um, we have a downloadable version uh, of uh, our episode one, which we call the Access Community Hall. Um, so that's already there. Now it's uh, free to use. We are looking into the, the options where we can offer that as uh, uh, two community members uh, of the bitmap uh, community where they can display all of their NFTs in. Uh, now we're offering it as a free service uh, for a project. So every project uh, building on Ordinals can just go to our website. There is a link can fill in the form, upload their images, and we create a super cool video. Um, People that download it will be able to select that collection as well. They can walk around in the community hall. They can see how the environments are, the avatars, multiplayer, voice uh, command, uh, voice chat integrated. Um, so that's like the first example. And then, of course, there is Bit Bitmap Island, um, which is pretty similar to the, the thing that Bob is doing with the town square area and a confined area. Um, what I told you, uh, it's like this: we can have multiple test environments one is the one that the expector is building but bitmap island can be one where the people in the ordinal space are building and and that's cool because maybe they do better they do a better job than we do you know mm -hmm. so that's cool to see develop i think what bob said is uh, it's a matter of uh, of a, a few weeks before we uh, probably will announce more uh, okay. within the bitmap space i don't want to uh, well, we never overpromised and underdelivered. Never. Luckily, yeah. we have a very, very solid track record um, on the XRPL. If people take a deep dive in what we have done, sold out NFTs, land sales successful, uh, IDO, and we've done it in the past 13 months, not the best ones in crypto. Um, we've broken all the records. Uh, when we started our land sale, we had a volume that was higher than the 50 biggest XRPL projects combined. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so we have been uh, doing cool stuff and I'm really excited to uh, start this new journey. So again, we will make some announcements probably uh, in the next week. We will start showing some stuff uh, regarding uh, Bitmap Island, um, but I'm very careful with uh, dates. Um, sure. I'm sure. not a 
as you know and uh something that i've learned from bob and neil every time i ask when will it be done well they tell me it's done when it's done, when it's done so, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we learned that pretty quick uh yeah we have our own project and uh it's one of those things where we we have like this huge vision but anytime it's like time to build and that 10 percent before it's it's actually finished is the one that takes the most and it's the most complex so we definitely understand, um, you know, how difficult it is to actually deploy something. Uh, yeah, and we're, we're really looking forward to working with you guys in the sense of we're builders ourselves and we want to contribute to the Xpector network, if you will. Yeah. And uh, we want to get our hands on that and and see how we can play a role here in that ecosystem. Yeah, well, I'm very happy that we met, by the way, and I'm really happy that you are close to Bob because uh, I think you have uh, very good ideas and probably they align with Bob's. So you could be a, an interesting uh, an interesting addition to uh, what we are doing. Yeah. I'm really curious uh, outside of the interviews what, uh, what value you can bring. And we're happy with all of our community members as well to promote what you guys are doing to drive traffic to what uh, you're building and uh congratulations by the way i saw that you uh had some uh, funding round that was oh, yes. pretty successful yeah thank you so much man i appreciate yeah. it bob what are you showing That's us cool, there? yeah what, what, what it's you... the community it's like the downloadable version i well bob is uh showing something yeah uh, cool yeah well, what's going on there bob Oh, it would be help if I uh, turn the mic on. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not actually, I'm zooming on this computer, but this is our community hall, which serves as an art gallery mm. for different NFT projects here. Okay. And wow. so uh, you can see the level of fidelity that we're going for here. Yes. Um, within within the environment. So this, um, this Unreal Engine implementation, are you guys also using Nanite or or what's what's like the, the details here? Well, with nanites, so, we have we have done some research, and I'll, I'll leave it to Bob. But we have discovered that nanite is very interesting. However, we believe that most people initially will go into this space in on a two D screen. Huh? That we are early for VR headsets and stuff. Sure. Um, but I believe that there were some consequences uh, of using nanite and making a pivot towards VR. Uh, Bob, you can probably uh, elaborate on that. Yeah, Nanite is good, and we want to enable that. Um, we've had to disable it at the uh, moment um, for some technical reasons that help us make the downloads work and oh, okay. install these yeah. other projects yeah. in. I would but imagine. We will... I, I was just going to say, and, and don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but I would imagine with 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 Nanite, I think you can you can basically deploy like the most complex three D models but you have to still download the whole thing. And so now it becomes expensive to download it. Yeah, it's really super interesting tech and it's great for um, like giant worlds. What it does, um, and again, I'm talking like I'm a super 3D expert. Um, I have a team of really smart people that tell yeah. me something one day and I tell you guys the next day, like I'm really smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it allows you uh, uses this sort of tree like mesh where if you're far away from something, it uses a, a simpler mesh. So sure. you don't have to have all those details. In sure. there. And when you get up close, it shows you all of the details and it does that automatically. Yeah. But you're right. 
you have to download the whole thing. Yeah. And so when we're trying to do a faster but still high quality experience um, for people, uh, we've got some other guys who are, uh, you know, they're as game designers, they uh, love that games don't require the highest, most expensive video card, you know, ever sure. and don't yeah, require sure. you to upgrade your computer for this. So, so they're looking at ways to get the same quality, uh, but have it more accessible to a lot of people. And so, you know, we're, there's a lot of trade-offs. We're not doing anything to cripple anybody's ability to use that. Um, we're trying to set a very high bar for, for the graphics and the fidelity, but because of the architecture of what we're building, um, Anybody can really use any of these tools to their full effect if they mm -hmm. want to. Sure. So, um, and, you know, for example, uh, the rules of the Expectorverse homeworld, I, I really want our homeworld to be about people interacting with people. Yeah. And so our avatars are going to be human shaped. Mm. It doesn't have to be the actual human you are shaped, right? You could. You know, if you're from one country and you want to look like somebody from another country, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, you can choose your avatar. You can style it. You know, if you're if you're skinny, you can be buff, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, what whatever that you want it to be. But I want it to be human. I don't want you to be a, a monster in here. I think right. that I think we're trying to attract people into this. I don't want to call it serious, but they want, you know, it's it's a place where there can be games but it's not a game itself. Sure. And so, but when you go through a doorway into a building, into another experience, that experience can be different, right? You might go through, I, I um, liken it to, uh, any of you guys ever played laser tag? Right? Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the laser tag building is in the real world. You drive there in your car and it's just like the real world. And then you go inside the building and there's a sort of transition space where they gear you all up in right. suits. Yep. And then you go through a door in the back and you're shooting people with freaking lasers. That's right. Yeah. In, you know, a place with the uh, neon lights or um sorry, black lights or whatever else you've mm -hmm. got. Yeah. And we can build that experience in the metaverse. We can say, okay, you're starting out in the real world, you're gonna go through here, and then you're gonna, you know, this is the ship that takes you to anime world. That's right. And then when you get there, and everybody's an anime character avatar. That's all fine. I'm just trying to make the expector what we call the home world. This is the place that people look, visit first, kind of familiar, but more empowering than the real world. Mm, I hear you. Did you, did you have anything? <laughs> yeah. Um, the last thing I'm really curious about is um, if you can, with the time we have left, explain a little bit more about like the, uh, I guess the distribution mechanism as far as like uh, the rendering of content uh, based on the framework you guys are developing. It sounds kind of similar to like what Gala Games did with uh, where they created like a, a node distribution network for all the different, I guess, uh, blockchain focused elements as far as like Web3 gaming and stuff like that. And so there's a lot of that, these metaverse things that can be distributed, right? And uh, I think Decentraland kind of like put out like a prototype version of that where they have these catalyst nodes where right. anybody can kind of set one up and support the distribution mm -hmm. of the, the, the rendering of content within these virtual environments. Is that something... Is that pretty much what you guys are kind of like platformatizing this approach to where like anybody who wants to create their own virtual environment can kind of like plug into this distributed network? And is there, is there going to be a token as a part of this, so, this, this distribution network? We're not for the technology in the metaverse 
part itself. I'm mm-hmm. not the metaverse is its own thing built on top of blockchain mm-hmm. where blockchains are, are a thing that humans use for their property and their money and their identity and their ownership here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not really gamifying this um, in the, for the metaverse part, but I will tell you something like this is a little bit subversive, right? So nobody's listening besides us. Right? <laughs> That's right. So if, <laughs> if you were, you know, the, the, the web still has this feature. It's just not as prominent as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you go in your browser, you can do a show source, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. you can see the HTML pages. Now, everybody's obfuscated all of their HTML through lots of JavaScript and virtual mm-hmm. downloads. And it's chaos trying to find all of that now. Mm-hmm. But the architecture I've chosen deliberately downloads all of the models to your machine and it renders them locally. And so you have as high a performance as you can possibly have based on the hardware that you have. Mm -hmm. And you can do like you do with games to say, you know, render this at lower fidelity because my graphics card won't keep up. Yeah. You know, those sort of things. Mm -hmm. The side effect of that, this is the versa part. Don't, don't tell anyone (laughs) is that all of the models come down to your machine so that you have to render them which means you can do the metaverse equivalent of show source. You can say, well, this download to my machine, it's cached on my machine. I want to look in there and see how the hell they did this damn thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to allow that because that's what caused the web to explode. Mm-hmm. Show source was what made so many people able to build their own websites. Yes. Um, and so if we didn't do that for the metaverse, I might as well just fold in the project right now. It's like, yeah. Yeah, here's the great metaverse, but we're not going to help you learn how to build it. Yeah. Everything is proprietary. Nobody can see behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Um, That's right? interesting because the, then, the side effect is that you have a better user experience as a result. Exactly. Yeah. And so anyway, it creeps out some people because a lot of people, if you look at, there's different classes of metaverse mm. um, when you look around. And some more like, it's all built on blockchain. Everything's here. Everything's stored here. It, renders here it does everything all on blockchain yeah Yeah. i'm not that much of a purist that way we're like blockchain is really proven it works great for money people sending money to one another great for nft and ownership and things and Mm -hmm. it's great for identifying yourself to to authenticate yourself against this place um but you know um uh the amazon cloud is great for running software at scale in the cloud yeah um you know all of these i want people to have the option to run it wherever they want so there is another um uh metaverse project that's really all about the fact that people have uh crummy graphic cards so we want to render everything in the cloud and stream it down to your devices because everything has crummy graphic cards but really how long do you think every device is going to have a crummy graphics card right there, we're already at Moore's law for GPUs. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it hasn't topped out yet. These things get faster and faster. The graphics card in my iPhone is really, really freaking fast. Yeah. So I don't think that's it. It makes a good Web three sales pitch that look at all this value we're creating in the cloud, and you can be the equivalent of a miner, and you can render all of this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. I don't think it has a lot of longevity. Mm. You know. It's got a year, it's got two years, maybe it's got five years. Mm-hmm. But if you look 
five or 10 years out, like if you look as far out of, on the, you know, we're, we are with the World Wide Web back to when Tim Berners-Lee was, was uh, drawing it up. Mm-hmm. It, it's not going to need cloud rendering things that yeah. far out. It's, that's, that's a, a, an immediate feature. Mm-hmm. And what I'm looking at is um, what's the long-term infrastructure that's going to be here 40 years from now? What are people, you know, they're going to still be running a browser. And I think they're going to have, I think people are going to really like 3d modeled environments for doing things because humans are 3d right we like picking things up and turning them and examining all sorts of sides yeah and i think we will quickly get to that and i think people are creative and people are say this is it's not a digital twin of the real world it's the metaphor is the real world but in this thing that's not quite a digital twin i have undo right yeah I can blow something up and go, Oh, that was a bad idea. Undo. Right. right yeah. Um, you know, name another, you know, metaverse that, that, you know, that was the first thing I thought with the metaverse. Like, cool. What feature would I bring to the metaverse that doesn't exist in the real world? Undo. Exactly. exactly. Um, I like you know, this approach. Like rewind. Yeah. I like this approach because it allows people to experiment. Once, once people can view source and understand how things work, they can iterate and expand upon it. And then all of a sudden, you have, you know, multi-trillion dollar ecosystem where we're spending a lot more time in it, you know, as a result. Exactly. And if you look, almost nobody remembers this because nobody's as old as I am. Um, <laughs> you know, like lots of gray hair under here. But uh, the original web browsers had a thing called a style sheet where you could create your own personal style sheet to set the fonts that you liked for, you know, H1 and H2 and H3 and to set mm-hmm. the, the color of the text and, um, uh, you know, set colors of links because it's like, they're serving me this code. I want to render it as I want to see it. Yeah. And so I want you to be able to do that. I want you to be able to go, well, I'm in this space here, but I don't like this. This guy painted it an ugly color. When yeah. I come in here, I want the, I want this green, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm going to change it. I, on only my machine and I'm make it green. Why can't you do that? Mm, Um, And then you can, you know, start to do stuff. And one of the things, one of the rules of the Expectiverse, the extended Expectiverse universe is if you host it on your own machine, I don't want the ability to tell you, you can't do something. Right. That's none of my business. Right. Um, if you bring your friends into your machine and your 3D world built on my open source software, that's not my business, knowing what you're doing or telling you what you can and can't do mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. And that that could only screw it up. That, that would only be shooting myself in the foot. So it's open in that that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's, it's even open. Oh, nobody's listening, right? <laughs> um, so it's open enough to, if you're running your own server, so, so there's always when you're talking about the metaverse and digital goods, digital things, um, just in the abstract, you have this odd tension. So a digital good, once you digitize something, is infinitely copyable, right? So as soon as you make something, whether you record a song, whether you shoot a video, you put it here, it's in infinite abundance. I can yeah. put it in a server. A million people can look at it at the same time. Yep. You know, it's, there's no, it's not scarce. Now, 
blockchain, the thing blockchain added, you know, with the original Bitcoiners, they're like, hey, we have a digital good. We're going to add artificial scarcity to mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And so you, there's always a tension. What should be infinitely abundant? Because abundance is good for the world, right? And which should be scarce mm. here? Yeah. And so if you run your own server, I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're pirating other people's stuff that you shouldn't have and running it in your own server. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're going with is the, the balance between that is if somebody mints something for the Expectorverse that should be in the Expectorverse, you can take it from server to server and it's sort of authenticated against the blockchain that it lives in mm-hmm. as a real thing. If you bootleg something and you wear, you know, say it's a clothing or something in your on your own server, that's fine. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But when you go through the doorway into the Spectreverse, we go, oh, that's bootleg. Yeah. You can't wear that here. And either you're naked or you're wearing something else. So yeah, we yeah, haven't worked yeah. that out yet. No, that's great. But that's yeah. how we're we're doing the balance between artificial sense. scarcity and infinite abundance. That makes sense. I really like that approach because it allows people to experiment. And if that experiment works, they can move it to on-chain. And all of a sudden, you are that thing. You, you're you wearing that that jacket or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you've created. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we have uh, about two minutes. Is there anything you want the audience to know about Expector? Any event coming up? Um, anything specific that's coming up in the near term that you want everybody to know about? Well, Go, we Derek. still have... We still have our creator contest, our world building contest. Uh, we have a twenty-five thousand U.S. dollar prize wow, pool. Wow. Um, it's still running, so everybody that's into three D modeling, Maya Blender, Unreal Engine, they can all submit. Um, we're doing regular tweets about it. Um, I'll pin a tweet uh, to the profile uh, in the next few days as well. So just uh, participate. I think it's really worth uh, while, and we just want to attract cool people building cool stuff. Awesome. That's yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, that is a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. So I really appreciate you guys for, for joining. Uh, Bob, we need to get together, have some beers, talk about more about the metaverse and, you know, that, that headset thing in the, in the, in the 80s. I want to hear more about that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Lo- love, to, love to come around to the, the old the, the old area. Yeah, there. for sure. So for sure. I appreciate it. I won't it. name it. Yeah, five, but um, I know where you guys are. So yeah, I appreciate cool. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really good to see. You guys, so this is our second interview, I guess, with uh, builders in this yeah. like bitmap ecosystem. First was Chris, and now you guys, and it's definitely confirmation that this this bitmap thing isn't just like some sort of passing fad. Yeah, ordinals in general, right? That there's actual real developers here, people dude, with Vitalik, experience. Vitalik yeah. likes ordinals, dude. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't get to tell this story earlier because, but I didn't really know anything about these ordinals, mm-hmm. and. So I have two kids that, of course, when I'm at Ripple for 10 years working on cryptocurrency and everything, no no one cares. Yeah. And then my daughter called me up, I don't know, three weeks, a month ago or something. She's like, so somewhere in the process, the past year or two, she got totally into crypto and altcoins and things. Yeah. And she calls me up. She's like, I'm, I'm on this Ordinals project. It's this new thing. And it's really cool. And yeah. so she knew about it before I did there. Wow. So, it's already um, happening. She's working. It's happening. Yeah. It's already yeah. happening. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's so, it's yeah, great. It's... it's great to see because you know, I mean, we had a, a, an amazing journey and experience. You know, uh, building foundational components to you know decentraland, the Ethereum metaverse space. We've we've gained a lot of knowledge. Yeah, like you say, things that 
should be done and things that definitely should not be done. Mm-hmm. And we definitely want to bring that, 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 uh, I guess, experience. abundance of experience to this, this Bitcoin side of, of the equation. And you guys are already taking the right approach by being agnostic when it comes to the whole chain. Yeah. Agreed. Like, you know, that, that is how ultimately all this will end up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it does start with every, you know, siloed ecosystems, like all these competing L1s there, everyone's going to have their own interpretations, I guess, and their own, systems of yeah. how, how to iterate, you know, this, these new value systems. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm excited personally to continue to work with you guys and, you know, build alongside with you guys. Cause yeah, the past four years in Decentraland was definitely progress, but yeah. I, I definitely think, <laughs> uh, a lot more left on the table. Yeah. 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 If we're yeah, talking we about are. like, yeah, status bar for the metaverse, Decentraland probably only filled like 1%, yeah. if even that. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot more work. Yeah. To be done. Well, we're going to do something great. We're going to do yeah. some kind of show or some kind of event or attract people in because it's, you know, we need to get people actually talking to people, meeting their audience. Thousand percent. And, and Dirk, I want to point out one thing. This is how I know these guys aren't selling me. They're really from Texas. That is a Whataburger cup, <laughs> which, is, which is ubiquitous, right? Yes. Yeah. That's how you know they're real. Yeah, I figured, yeah, I knew this was going to be a, was intentional. a Texas-a-thon, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> We're all Texans here. It's like, this, this couldn't be more fitting, Yeah, right? All right, guys, I appreciate you for showing up. Um, all the links will be in the description. Um, Dirk, Bob, it was a pleasure talking to you about the Metaverse bitmap and, and all things, um, I guess, development-wise. Um, let's stay in touch. We're we're in contact in Telegram, or not Telegram, but Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was a pleasure talking to you guys, and let's have you on sometime soon. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I like? I can see in your eyes that you are excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, absolutely. And that's really good. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, we will talk soon.